This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini. Cater gets beat by Zabit. Greg Hardy failed to crack the UFC heavyweight top 10 after a loss to Volkov. Nick Diaz speaks, but does anybody know what he said? Stipe Miocic and Francis Ngannou want to face Tyson Fury. Has Conor McGregor started his next fight camp? The UFC announces an event in Raleigh, and it's got a main and co-main event that are not to be missed. Jacques Carré looks to make some noise in the new division when he faces Jan Blachowicz this weekend. And we are joined by James Krause, who faces Sergio Moraes at the same card in Sao Paulo this Saturday night. Thanks to those listening on TSN Radio in Toronto and Ottawa. Order the podcast. Tell your friends. Review the show. Subscribe. We appreciate any listener feedback you may have. So on Twitter, feel free to reach out to us at Aaron Bronstetter at Bazooka Joe V is where we can be reached. Joe, how are you? Yes, sir. I'm pretty good. Good, good. Um, had a good day working out. Had a nice deadlift today, which I'm happy about. I hit, um, it's one of my best numbers. I hit 495 pounds for two reps. Wow. Yeah. I don't know so, what that means, but that sounds sounds. Uh, it means sounds five pounds less than five hundred, and I did it twice. All right, but uh, no, it's pretty good. So I was happy today. I know so. what it means, like literally. I'm but for kidding. you, what does it mean? Like, what um, is, it's know? one of my best for two pulls. Like, so two reps is one of my best for two reps. So there, I'm happy. There was something I wanted to talk to you about, and I couldn't remember it up until like we just started going. Which is you went to go see Tool this week. I did, and yeah. I would like to hear about that's your what experience. I forgot. I, yes. When I met, when you messaged me, I was like, I thought out of all people, you would have known them really well. I do know them well. Yeah, I, I loved them when I was in high school, yeah. and I actually found out. Uh, I look whenever I go to cover a UFC event, I see what who's in town, and uh, on January. I guess it would be the 17th, the day before this pr- prospective Conor McGregor card, UFC 246, Tool are playing at T-Mobile. So I'm going to go. I'll yeah, go when I'm you there. Should. Yeah, the, uh, the, the lead singer is uh, Maynard James Keenan. Yes. And uh, his uh, security team reached out to me and said, hey, do you, are you interested in working with someone? I was like, okay. I didn't know who that somebody yeah, is. He's, he's, just a, he's kind a big of like, combat sports guy. Yeah, apparently. Um, he's actually, I think, a purple belt in jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, I said, yeah, cool. I didn't know who it was, and then it was. I still, when he walked into the door, I was like, okay, cool. I didn't yeah. really know who he was, and then uh, we just started talking, bonding, really, really kind of hitting it off well. Um, even with his team and his security, we just bonded really, really well, and they're like, do you want to come to the show tomorrow? And, uh, yeah, bring some stuff, and we'll work. I was like, okay. So literally I got in through the back door. They had a special room for him that just had mats laid down. So we did a little bit of a, I think we did about an hour and 20 minutes. And it was so specific, too. So I was, like, working his distance control. But they approached me wanting to learn how to enter into the clinch because they want to be able to merge the striking with his jiu-jitsu. So I was kind of playing that transition game with them. They loved it and went well. And then I went to my first rock concert first. And two, my first Tool concert. So it was like, honestly, a really cool experience. I'm a rocker now. Apparently, like, oh. <laughs> my playlist now, I'm listening to rock there's, music. There's a lot for me to digest here. Let, yeah. me, let me just, like, reverse Go this. So all I know from Joe is, hey, I'm going to see Tool tonight. That's yeah, your text to me. All you, you didn't got. tell me any of this stuff. Well, that I, I'm not a good texter, yeah. yeah but well, they that's amazing. To me, so, yeah. You're, so you were, like, rolling with Maynard James Keenan in the back. Yes. That's like... <laughs> Yeah, and that's a big deal. You're like you, you left all this out. Yeah, no, I was literally I trained him two days in a row. First day he came to Bazooka Kickboxing, then the second day I met him before the show. So two hours before oh, so, the show, so Maynard James Keenan was like down the street. You should have brought him in. We could have done a podcast Seriously. together. And literally, I was kickboxing with him two hours before he went on and performed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I went to go. I'm, I'm checking a tool. Have you heard of them? That's, that's oh, yeah, the text I, that Joe sends me. Yeah, I didn't tell you I was actually training. Yeah, yeah that's unbelievable. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah, there are people in this building that I'm going to see if there's a guy here that uh, would, would like. 
if I if you told him that story, it would blow his mind. But he's like, how do you not know Tool? I'm getting yeah. messages. You don't know Tool. I was like, I'm not a rock music yeah. guy. I don't. I don't. I'm follow. sure the, the 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 visuals must have been pretty crazy. Apparently, Amazing. one of the guys in the band is like really into comics. Like, does all kinds of. Somebody told me this this week. They do all kind of visual arts things. Did they give you a CD that has the built-in projector? Did they give you one of those? No, I wish I did. Yeah, they have a they they have a CD out um, where it comes with like a projector. It does like yeah. projections on the wall. Like it's. It's like 70 bucks for a CD. Really? Yeah, it's like a real deluxe. No, they said they'd send me some stuff. So, some, yeah, I'm going to message them. I want that CD. Yeah, say, I want the projector CD, the yeah. limited edition well, one. You know, Maynard got a nice bazooka sweater. We posed with a picture together behind. Like, he's holding his bazooka sweater and stuff. Yeah, so it's you got to send this awesome. to me. I gotta, I'm going to put this out after the show, this story. Yeah, I will. I'll it's send it off. <laughs> I was literally stage left, like, just right I just figured, like, right Costas there. was like, come see Tool. No. And you were like, okay. I was literally, like, t- five feet from the stage. And I got backstage passes. I walked around. And then the, as part of his team, we're like, hey, man, go watch the show from the other end so you can get the full visuals because they have this LED screen that was just massive. The laser work and, like, I mean, I've listened to rock music, but when you hear it live, it's different. I just, I'm just like, wow, the, the bass, the, you know, the sound, the guitars, hearing a drummer just go live, I was like, this is incredible. Absolutely incredible. So I have a newfound appreciation for rock music and Tool. And yeah, it's one of the bands I haven't seen live before. I've seen A Perfect Circle, which is his other band. Yes. I saw yes. them live at a festival at some point, but I don't think I've ever seen Tool live. I, I remember they were playing at Lollapalooza. Like I was probably like 14 at the time yeah. at the, the Kingsway Music Theater. You remember the Kingsway Music Theater? I heard about it's it. It's at Wonderland. It's the Wonderland yeah. Amphitheater they used to have. They don't do shows in there anymore, but they don't. Tool was the headliner. I remember that, yeah. Yeah, yeah so... Uh, that's cool. I've, yeah, I've so like, pretty cool. I haven't heard the new album yet. I've heard some of it, but uh, I'm it fear on uh, fear and Oculus. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was like into Enema and, and Undertow. That's like when I was into Tool. That's like Metallica was probably school. the biggest of the big. Would you say Metallica? like in terms of metal, like mainstream yeah. metal acts? Yeah, yeah probably them. The Guns and Roses Guns were and big, Roses but they good. they were on hiatus for a and long Green time. Green Day was pretty big at Green one Day's point. Green Day's more punk, more I guess you would say. My punk son punk. is the biggest Green Day fan on the planet. Really? He's like nine years old and loves Green Day. From where? Does he listen from you? Or no? It's funny because the first concert I ever went to was Green Day. I saw them at Maple Leaf Gardens when I was like thirteen or fourteen, um, and he was like, Dad, I want to listen to Green Day. And I was like, okay, well, why? And he's like, they did the the Simpsons theme for the movie, the Simpsons movie. And that's okay. like how he discovered Green Day. Nice. Yeah, so, I remember they played it. Yeah, you're yeah. right. And then he just started it's listening amazing. to them, and he likes them a lot. It's hey. like we, they have lots of swearing in the music, and my wife and I just kind of like turn our cheek the just, other way. Just, yeah? We let, him, we let it go. Yeah. It's an iconic band. He's going to learn swearing to, eventually. Yeah. It's coming. It's yeah. coming. Hey, he knows he knows all the words already. He's but he's good. He doesn't get in any trouble. He's 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 a good yeah. kid. He's got to know when to use it. That's he's got a younger brother and younger sister. He's got to you know he knows to mind his p's and q's. <laughs> so yes, I'm a rocker now. Apparently, there you go. Yeah, so. you should uh, start getting into a lot of their their older stuff. It's good. Yeah, no, I I, I went back. I listened to it. I went. Um, they gave me uh, the playlist of what they were playing. So then I kind of nice. went back. I was like, oh, I remember this song that they played. I liked it when I was listening to it live. Saved some on my playlist, so now I have some mixed and matched. I'm really glad I remembered to ask you about this. Yeah, I told. <laughs> I mean, everyone's like, because to me, it's like I don't know, like it's just a different world for me. I'm so absorbed. I'm in this little kickboxing MMA bubble, and then uh, so when getting outside of it's pretty cool. Uh, but the, I think the show before he was working with Matt Brown, Immortal. Nice. Okay. So Matt I, Brown's actually a big metalhead, so I'm sure. Matt oh Brown yeah. So him and Matt, because really like um, recently, like I was just going through, was like, oh, he's like, uh, I saw Matt Brown posting about us. So I was like, oh. But uh, wherever city they have, they have their go-to guys that they like to work with. So hopefully I'm their Toronto guy and I could uh, 
be part of that tool crew. That's great. So you had no idea when they like they no. obviously didn't say who you were working with, but no. it was like they were like basically like, like a he's a high profile, high profile guy, guy wants to come and train. Wants to come train, yeah. So then I got my manager to kind of talk to them, and then like the day before, I kind of we kind of did our our guesswork. Mm-hmm. We mean like because they said music band or something, yeah. so we saw who was playing, and then we well, he was put on Rogan's show recently. You probably could have put yeah. two and two together. Yeah, I'm, I imagine Rogan probably recommended you. He was probably no, yeah, him mixed with he's like honestly he's like very highly recommended uh, in the community because even where he trains with Matt Brown and all these other guys in Denver, like. They all recommend when you're in Toronto, you got to go to Bazooka Joe. Yeah. So he's like, honestly, Joe, I go, I've had multiple people say when I'm in Toronto, I have to go here. So I was like, great. That means yeah, it's great good. for me, great for my brand, great for my gym. So it was phenomenal. Yeah, he should wear the Bazooka kickboxing uh, shirt on, on stage. I hope so. He wore Matt Brown's, but it was more like rocker looking, immortal, yeah. <laughs> not like a hoodie. So I'm like, man, I wish I had a shirt that looked something. I'm sure he'll wear it in like the tour bus, though, and stuff. And I hope so. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Even training, if he yeah. goes to another gym, throws it on. It's like, it's a nice hoodie. It's a badge of honor. Yeah, it's a champion sweater. It's an expensive one, too. So, yeah, so you, you gave him the nice one that one. only the fighters have? No. No, no okay. No. Let's not get <laughs> okay, crazy. Right. Let's, Let's not get crazy. Let's right. not get too crazy. You got to earn that one. Okay. Fair enough. So. My wife likes the uh, bazooka shirt you gave me. She, you know, nice. anytime you, you get a sweater, of course, like your, your wife kind of sizes it up and it's like, and oh, she that looks comfortable and she wears it. Yeah. Does she need a sweater? Yeah, she, right. she wears She likes warm stuff. It's the winter. Okay. I'll see what I got for you guys. All right. So, um, Calvin Cater uh, loses to Zabit Magomed Sharapov. Now, this division is interesting because you've got Holloway and Volkanovsky next. And kind of by just process of elim- elimination, seems like Zabit should be next in line. There's not really any other suitors. But he hasn't really fought the, the tops of the division yet, has but he really, right? Who has, though? I mean, Ortega's going to be fighting Zombie. Okay. But before that, he beat Frankie Edgar, obviously at the top of the division, but now a bantamweight. He beat Cub Swanson. Mm-hmm. Like, who at the top can you say has beaten the top guys? I mean, Yair beat Jeremy Stevens, but so did Zabit. So, I, I, just, I mean, nobody's beaten Holloway, right? And yeah. nobody's beaten Volkanovski. Aldo, so Aldo's sense. moving to bantamweight. And, so, and the only people that have beaten Aldo are Volkanovski and, and Holloway so, and Connor, of course. But so you put Zabit next? I think so. I just don't know who else you would put about. I'd like to see, personally, Zabit versus Yair next. Just because it would be a fun matchup, but if you're looking at the title picture, I just think that makes the most sense to have Zabit next. I don't yeah, know. And I think I mean, they moved him up a spot, so he's currently yeah, he's fourth, four. right? Yeah. So if the Korean Zombie ends up like wiping the floor with Ortega, maybe you can make a case. But I, I personally don't see that happening. A and B, I, you know, I, I think that Zabit is Zabit has this kind of air of mystery around him, and I think that actually going into this. A fight with Holloway. Now's a good time because I don't think people are giving him the credit he deserves. Like a lot of people, I think, are because of this performance and how he looked in the third round. People think, "Oh, this guy's got no cardio." Blah. blah. He just came off a staff infection, right? Like, yeah. your cardio is going to be affected by that. Yeah, there's always something in camp. You're never really going in 100, percent but uh, his style, man, it's a beat style. Will give anyone a hard time. It's a little bit more unorthodox. He's long. He seems big for the division. He's, he's he's tough regardless. I mean, I just think stylistically he's one of those guys that it takes a lot of cojones and courage to fight him because you can't fight Sabit at the end of his punch. He's too wild, too rangy, unexpectable. So, boom, you got to pressure him. you got to have a lot of courage to fight him. So the guys who do well have that courage. Not a lot of people have signed up to, to fight the guy either, no. right? So, no, and he, he And he was supposed to fight him in Boston, in his home city. Sabit gets the staff infection. He goes to Moscow and fights yeah, him. Like, yeah. That's unbelievable. Yeah, Kelvin Cater is tough, man. He looked he good. He deserves a lot of credit. He deserves definitely a lot of credit. And even hearing you were talking pre-show, you says uh, you said to me his stock probably went up after this I fight. I agree. Yeah, I, I think that even if you look at the rankings, they didn't drop him. I think they should have just raised him. 
And I think that his next fight should still be somebody in the top five, top ten. Like, I think that Cater earned that yeah. by, A, doing the uh, UFC a solid by going to Moscow, B, allowing it to be a three-round fight, because apparently that was at the request of Zabit's team. Cater wanted it to be a five-round fight. Yeah. Uh, and C, just how he looked in the third round. Like, I think that Cater's stock just... Overall, raised he, he might come to Bazooka one day. Yeah, I hope Rob so. Font are buddy are like best buddies. So. Yeah, no, I mean I met them both at the UFC Performance Institute. Yeah. I have literally both of their numbers, and we we kind of created a group chat hoping it would come up to something. But I'm a big thing for him. I think if, if anything, he's got the look, he's got the personality, he's got the fighting style to do well. So I think he's a guy that the UFC can really kind of market behind. I think he's good. One guy the UFC have tried to market this year is Greg Hardy. He had his fifth fight of the year, yeah, uh, which is a lot for heavyweight. Um, but he failed to crack the top ten. He broke his hand in the first round against uh, Alexander Volkov. And, you know, I keep saying this, but Volkov, his first professional fight was before Greg Hardy's first professional football game. Like, that's how much longer Volkov's been fighting than Greg Damn. Hardy. It's just one of those things where there are levels. Um, it is... Hard to know how Hardy would have done if his hand didn't get injured in the first, but you know that happens in a fight. Yeah. And I think you got to give Hardy credit for sticking with it all three rounds and not getting finished. There, there were some big head kicks that he survived there, and uh, he was never in any real trouble in the fight. I think the athleticism can only take you so far, especially when it comes to this martial arts world. We've seen some of the best martial artists not look like they have the body that can do anything. They don't have that natural athleticism. There's a side to fighting that... You need to have outside of being fast, explosive, strong. There's that martial science, that martial law that kind of follows into place. So he's less lacking that. And when you go into a fight against someone really experienced, you can't just go in there expecting to land a punch, one big punch, and that's all you have. I mean, it works for some guys like uh, Francis Nagano, But, I mean, I think Francis still has other you know, weapons that he could use where I think Hardy relied too much on one punch, and when that weapon goes, you got to be able to kick. You have to be able to punch a little bit better. You have to have different strategies where that's where his inexperience showed. You come in with one game plan, you lose that, and then you're stuck with nothing, right? So that's where I think his experience is going to come to play um, as he grows. But, I mean, I still think it was a positive that he stood there. His distance control looked a lot better. He was able to evade punches. You saw some sort of strategy um, going on in his mind. So there definitely was some development. And I think it's great that, you know, he has that fighter spirit to want to go in there against someone who's more experienced. I actually thought the distance was one of the issues for him because in his previous fight, he was fighting a guy who was 5'11 or 5'10, however tall Ben Sassoli is. And Hardy did a great job of figuring out the distance in that fight, and I thought that was the difference maker. In this fight, the distance was his enemy because, I mean, Volkov was two inches taller than him, had a a bit more of a reach. And I thought that at a distance, you have a much less of an advantage, obviously, against a guy who can match your distance. But what I meant by distance was when someone strikes, you're just outside of range. Yeah. Like, you can attack. Like, the overall strategy could be pressure, or fight on the outside. But what I what there's also that natural ability in between is that when you punch you're just out of range and you saw him move and you kind of saw him understanding that that distance a little bit better. But I mean, he should have pressured a lot more. He should have been able to what was happening, he throw the one hand or he throw a single shot. You're not going to land um you know a single shot on someone who's really experienced. You have to have put combinations together. You got to be able to kick, mix your strikes. So, I mean, I, in, in my mind, who's coming from an experienced striking background, he lacked, uh, you know, 
a few things, but there was some positivity. His left jab looks really powerful. Looks pretty reg- like yeah. regimented in terms of how he throws it, but it looks like it has a lot of zip yeah. behind it because it was you know popping. Um, gave Volkov the old Pez, yeah. Pez dispenser Pez. hands, as I like to call it. Yeah, he tried landing those left hooks off of it, but he I, th- I feel he needed that right hand to yeah, do anything, sure. you know. But, uh, again, some positives. And, again, it's a sport where you're constantly learning. So, you know, you either lose or learn. I wouldn't be surprised to see Hardy face Derek Lewis in Houston in February. They're going to do a pay-per-view in Houston. That's Derek Lewis's backyard. When you think, like, who's the most marketable fight that you could give uh, Derek Lewis, you know, you and when is the, that you fight? The Francis rematch, but they want to put Francis in in France in Paris. Um, that would be in February. I think it's the first week of February. Yeah. Um, but I think Hardy versus Lewis would make a lot of sense. Hardy's been calling Lewis out, or Lewis has been calling Hardy out rather. And I think that you know that it's going to be a striking battle. You know that it's not going to be a matter of volume like Volkov brought to the table. It's just going to be power versus power. But if you're looking at the division, why would Lewis want to go down? Um. Because Lewis doesn't care about championships. He's, he's been pretty open about that. Yeah. And he's been calling out Hardy. So it seems like that is a fight that he wants. Okay. Um, he just, just, he just wants, like he just wants to get even... paid. Like, Lewis is at the point now where it's like the belt would be a nice bonus. And the only reason he really wants the belt is for the money. Like, he's, yeah. he's been pretty open about but that. But I thought he looked great in his last fight. You he know? did. He his good. movement, his conditioning. He was found his more explosive blasts. So, I mean, I mean, I want to see him move up, if anything. He's yeah. fun. He's... he's you know, different. Against who? Who has he not fought yet, actually? That's that's the question. Uh, looking up. at the list now. He hasn't fought Blades, but Blades just got matched up. I saw that. Blades is fighting. JDS. JDS, yeah, yes, I we'll saw that. We'll talk about that a little bit later um, on. Then there's Naganu and DC. Uh, what about... He fought Francis, right? One of those boring... Was that the boring one? Um, Naganu hasn't fought DC yet. That, oh, sorry. You, you mean that's who's left. Uh, yeah, he's fought DC. That was the main event at Madison Square Garden yeah, last year. That, and he fought Naganu. That was the really, like you the said, boring, really boring one. one. That was yeah. three rounds. And then one, there's like, JD, Curtis Blades, JDS. And Lewis then, has fought JDS. And then at six, you have Overeem. Lewis, I don't think, has fought Overeem. I might be wrong. I'll have to look that up. That could be pretty but fun. But Overeem's matched up also right With now. With that, uh, the new kid, right? Yeah. With Rosenstruck. Mm. Volkov, not to Walt say they Harris. can't turn it around for two months later, but yeah, yeah. Walt Harris is not going to be active for a little while. Then outside of that, there are honestly a bunch of names that I even have a hard time understanding. You're right, yeah, like yeah. Shamil Abdurakhimov, August uh, Augusto Sakai. I yeah. don't know. He's a newcomer. Yeah, Alexei Olenik. I know that. Um, Ivanov, we saw recently. Mm-hmm. Shamil Abduramiyev. Yeah, Abdurakhimov, yeah. He's, uh, who Couldn't Lewis even tell fought. you one fight. Lewis, Lewis he's fought ranked him. number nine Lewis right fought now. him in the main event of the uh, UFC fight night in Albany several years back. Really? Yeah. Yeah, and he's ranked nine. I've never even yeah. heard of the name. Couldn't yeah. even put a face to him. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's got a beard. He's, he's I think, from Dagestan. Good, solid yeah. Sambo practitioner. So, yeah, maybe it is maybe, for yeah, exactly. Lewis to get those exciting fights. Yeah, yeah. So who knows? Um Nick Diaz, well, kudos first off to Ariel Hawani having The Rock and Nick Diaz on his show this week. Like that's as, as good as it gets in terms of yeah, guests. Yeah, for sure. So the Rock was to cool to it's, it's cool to hear him talk and know about the sport, right? Yeah, for sure. Oh yeah, but uh, Nick Diaz, like, if you can decipher anything from that whatever forty eight hour forty eight minute interview, which apparently was apparently a lot longer and got yeah. cut down to forty eight minutes, you're a better man than I am. Yeah, because I, I just could not time. get anything out of it. Like I, I don't know if he wants to fight again. I, like, I don't know if he's just angry at Masvidal. I don't know if he's like, yeah, I don't want to fight, but I, I have to. Like, it was just all this. It and was bouncing all over the place. back and forth. Like, yeah. I mean, he would say one thing and then bounce off. And, and he just, I think he just wanted to rant. Yeah. And his ranting made sense in his head. But when it was coming out, it wasn't making a storyline of anything. Mm-hmm. 
So I had a real hard time understanding as well. And I, I was thinking, like, I uh, somebody, on, somebody on Twitter wrote, I don't know how Ariel's going to end this interview. And then Diaz just stands up. He's like, okay, yeah, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay. Because even there's times where, like, Ariel started trying to jump in, but in Diaz's mind, he still wanted to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, stream of consciousness. He just kept going. So, I mean, in his mind, it probably made a lot of sense because I, it, from what I kind of got out of it, that there was so much he wanted to say. And he didn't felt like he didn't have the time, so maybe he just tried blurting everything out, and it didn't come out well. Well, there's something that not enough people here are saying. The idea of him fighting Jorge Masvidal in 2020 in the UFC, despite it being a, a solid money fight, I get that. Like I get that they're in the, the business of making money, would be unconscionable in my opinion. He hasn't won a fight in eight years. You see what Masvidal's done this past year. You see him beat Askren in five seconds, the knockout of Darren Till, there's Nate Diaz fight. All three of those guys, you have to imagine, are better than what Nick Diaz is right now. You would think so. And to put that Nick Diaz that we just saw the interview with this week in a cage with Masvidal next year, in my opinion, would be unconscionable. I would, uh, I would be borderline sickened by it, honestly. Yeah. And I know people will say, you know, BJ Penn was in there for a long time. But BJ Penn was fighting Dennis Seaver. Like yes. they weren't putting BJ. Like they put him against Yair Rodriguez, and that was a big mismatch. And Yair was just a young up and comer at the time. Like they're not putting BJ Penn up against like Ortega. You know, this is this is a problem. If they if they book this, I know I understand that the public would probably want to see it. That's great. Yeah, and I know that that's how you have to operate the business. But I just don't think that right now, judging by that interview, that Nick yeah. Diaz is in the frame of mind to fight one of the most dangerous guys yeah. in the division. I don't think he knows what's going on in what he wants and what people want. I think as fans, we want you know Nick Diaz the fighter to fight. But as the person, he has of ten years ago to fight. Yeah, but we, as the person, after listening to that, I want to see him ride off with his legacy, with his, you know, his fully, his full brain intact as much as we can. But uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm on your side. Well, if my if my lasting it. memory of Na- of Nick Diaz in the cage is him lying down on the cage during that Anderson Silva fight, I'm, I'm happy with that. I'm good with I'm it. good with yeah. that. He has that. He, aura behind him still he has his nick diaz army he has a lot of respect from his community and people around him he did it he really did it so to go back and to to do it and i don't think it's fair like even masvidal i think masvidal's way beyond that you know he's he's title shot contender yeah yeah so i think that he's next in line for the title yep so to put put, bring nick diaz out of nowhere to face him i just it doesn't sit well with me i I feel like that would be a really dishonorable thing to do and how old is nick um, I, think you think? I think he's my age. I think he's 37, but I'm going to look that up. Let's see. If, there, if you had to match him with somebody, who would you think would be a great fight level-wise? I would think like a Carlos Condit or a Matt, Matt Brown or something along those lines. Like somebody who's kind of an, an older person. Yeah, he's actually you're younger than me. He's 30, 36. But I would think like a Carlos Condit. Yeah, uh, Matt and Brown. Carlos Condit just pulled out of his fight. Yeah, he just got injured. Yeah, but something along—I know him and Condit have already fought, but just something along those lines. I got yeah, Matt Brown would be necessarily, really fun. Yeah, like Matt Brown. It doesn't need to be necessarily Matt Brown would somebody. Be really fun. Yeah, they were going to match him up with Masvidal this past March. Like instead of um, uh, Nate, it was supposed to be Nick. It was supposed to be Nick. Like Nick, they had said Nick was coming back. He was going to fight Masvidal. A lot of people forget about this. But they were saying they put. Again, from what the interview said, I think said, yeah. they put him on a poster. Which doesn't exist. Which doesn't if exist. If you look it up, there's no poster. There's n- never been a poster. Never of... been a poster. Okay. But they said that it was going to happen. Like the UFC said, like it's gonna, there's going to be a fight between Masvidal and Nick, Nick Diaz. Diaz. So I don't know if they put me on the poster as like a 
metaphor for that. Yeah, you just never know. Again, we're dealing with Nick Diaz here, and you're trying to to, to translate what he's saying and put it into you know reg- layman's terms, so to speak. But uh, I just like it does not sit with me, with me the idea of him yeah. facing Masvidal. I just think it would be uh, a dangerous fight for somebody who didn't seem like he was all there during that interview. Yeah. I, I, it's been I hate way to say too it. long. I just hate to say it, but like he didn't look right in that interview. Yeah. And people say, oh, he's always rambled. He's always talked for a long time. He's always been long-winded. But if you watch the previous interviews with him, he wasn't, he wasn't slurring his words. And, yeah. So, and I mean, just, yeah. just I follow him on social media. Just his lifestyle now isn't a fighter's lifestyle. Like, I mean, he's always in Vegas. He always seems to be at the clubs. I mean, it could be a social media image, and, and maybe he's... You know, doing his other things and but would you like the social hard? media image to be you rolling with people, like rolling with Caesar Gracie? And, maybe, maybe know. that maybe he wants people to think he's only partying and really he's in the, you know, behind the scenes, really training hard. And I mean, he's a, he's a considered probably a Hall of Famer in the sport. You know, has how much he's done and how much he's developed in different organizations and the the things he's brought to the table, positive and negative. But uh, yeah, I mean, it just doesn't seem right. You're right. I'm trying to think of different ways, but he's a fighter. He's a martial artist, and I think that's all he knows. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if there's an opportunity, he probably would want to do it. So it's the responsibility of organizations and sanctioning bodies to make sure, you know, it stays that way. And this is probably speculation on my part, but it seems like there's been a bit of a disconnect with him and Nate. You don't see him and Nate in a lot of pictures together. Uh, when you ask Nate, is Nick going to be there? He's like, I don't know. Yeah. Um, in the interview, Nick was like, my brother just wanted to be a family man, and now he's a family man. But he's talking about it like as if it's his family, like Nate's family, not his family, you know? Yeah. It seems like something, there's some sort of synergy missing. And, and again, even I could like, just be Even the belt, though, I think it bothered him that there was a BMF belt because he's like, that belt's mine. He's like, it should be mine. It's mine. It's mine. He's like, it's cool that Nate fought for it, but Nate knows it's mine. Like, he, all, he has big brother syndrome all the time. So I think even with Nate's success, probably probably bothers him a little bit because he was always known as the main Diaz. So maybe that's playing into it. I mean, as a fighter, you want to be the alpha. You want to be the man to, to see the success Nate has now and to always be under, you know, Nick's shadow could be a tough thing too. Yeah, that's fair. And the other thing to come of uh, Ariel Hawani showing the, the interview that immediately followed Nick Diaz was keeping me at just talking about wanting to face Tyson Fury in a yeah. boxing match. Yeah. Go figure. That's original. Different game. If I hear... One more, if I see articles about it, if I hear more people talking about, oh, yeah, Tyson Fury, or, uh, yeah, uh, Masvidal wants to fight Canelo. Canelo. So, you, so you think that Dana White is going to go and sit in a room with Oscar De La Hoya and negotiate a Canelo versus Masvidal boxing match that airs on the zone yeah. that Dana's not getting much of a cut of just because he's a good guy yeah. and he doesn't care about it. Like He's going to take the guy who's now his, his transcendent star of 2019, a guy who's basically was the story of the year in MMA, a guy who was for whatever, 15, 20 years was competing, and, and late in his career, he has this renaissance and is now the man. Dana White's going to just send him over to boxing. Yep, and now you're going to take Stipe Miocic, who Dana White has had lots of, con- and the UFC have had contentious relationships with in terms of negotiations, and you're going to go out and you're going to negotiate with Tyson Fury's people to yeah. have him go box Tyson Fury. You're going you're gonna to devalue your heavyweight title by having yeah. him box Tyson Fury on the zone. Yeah. I just think the fighters themselves... Believe it. It's just in reality, I think it's the media, the the spectators, the fans that kind of blow it out of proportion. It's, stop. You know? It's just got to stop. Yeah. It's got to stop. As there's, a fighter, no, it's cool. Like, no I mean, it's, to it. well, it's like, listen, yeah, I, they I just say it out loud. But I understand you know? that from your perspective, 
when you you've always told me like there's if you say I can't beat somebody I, I can beat them. My mindset is I can beat them. Yes. So the idea for Stevie Miocic is like this is yeah, this I is the best heavyweight in the world. I can beat him. Yeah, I can and beat I get him. that. And but I, and then I, it's and everyone else with running with it. But yeah, That's nobody the should run with it. It should just yes. be like no, this, you're an MMA guy. This is a boxing guy. And then Dana White is even to the point where he's saying like, why would Tyson Fury want to do MMA? Like he's. He's like one of the top four heavyweights in boxing. He's like, Making I'll, he's like, millions. Yeah, he's like, I'll take him like, if he really millions. wants to. But Dana White's even realistic about it. Like, for, no. A lot of people think that Dana White is like, you know, oh, he doesn't do anything for a buck. Like, Dana White's realistic about this. Like, he doesn't think that this makes any sense, and it doesn't. No. And even we, you have Tyson Fury training with Darren Till yeah, in some of, of the videos. It's, and it's and all those, fun. Remember those Mayweather videos of him Absolutely. training MMA? Absolutely. They're smart. They're playing it. That's why they're making millions, multi-million dollars because of the boxing world. These guys have agents. They're smart. The way they're using their social media. I mean, well, they share an agent, too, but Darren, it's, Till, it, Darren Till and But if you think uh, about it, nobody talked about that either. If I'm Francis or I'm Stipe, that's not a bad thing to say that you would fight the champ because it's like attention it's like oh it creates topics we're talking about it now so i mean it creates attention but it is if people believe that it's an actual true thing that's going to happen in the next little bit they're absolutely crazy i mean what what did the ufc gain out of having conor mcgregor fight mayweather like it put the ufc into more houses and more like more eyeballs were on the idea of the ufc and it made conor a bigger star But then Connor's fought once since then in the UFC. But we're going to bring up this gentleman next. But who ruined this for everybody? The Connor McGregor, yeah. right? Because he did it with the champ champ situation. Now everybody to be a world champion in one division is no longer good enough. You need to have two divisions. You need to go up. So people don't even want to. They'll just win a title and not even want to defend it because they want to get the other belt. That's what's happening now. Connor McGregor. Now him going to fight Mayweather. They saw the money. They saw the publicity. That was like a one-in-a-lifetime situation. Yeah. People need to understand that's why I like that. what Israel's saying. Israel's like, everybody wants me to fight John Jones. He's like, I'll fight him at Raiders Stadium in 2021. He's like, right now, I'm focused on the middleweight division. Like, I don't like the idea of holding up divisions. It's happened too much. Even Whitaker held up the division because he kept getting injured. He's like, I want this division to move. I want to fight these guys. I want to fight Costa. I want to fight Romero. I want to fight yeah. the best of the best middleweights. And then we can talk about John Jones in 2021. I can guarantee you in 2021 it will not happen still. <laughs> Probably not. Because, one, to Probably fight not. John Jones, you need to spend a whole bunch of time strengthening yourself, building your body a little bit. You're going to have to have better wrestling. And for him to... I mean, he's going to maybe fight, what, next year? Three times? Probably. Max three times. Two to three times next year. That's still not going to be enough time for him to put on that size and build. And, I mean, I don't know. I don't see it even happening in 2021. Yeah. And, I mean, again, very fair. Who knows if he's even the champion in 2021, right? I think he will be still. But but that's why I respect Israel is because, like, he doesn't know if he's going to be the champion in 2021, but he's thinking ahead as if he will be. Yeah. And as if the John Jones super fight makes a lot of sense there. And, and all, but and he's, talk he's about it. Why not? Yeah, yeah. Hell yeah. Good, exactly. Talk about it. Get your name out there in the public perception. I have no problem about these people talking about Tyson Fury, too, and wanting to fight Tyson Fury. I get yeah. it. They want the boxing money, too. Like, let's, yes, let's, let's not... Yes, we do. Let's not mince words. Like, the idea of getting paid 4 or $5 million to box somebody is more appealing than getting paid yeah. $350,000 to, to so go into a cage So we brought it up in last show, and we said, how much did Masvidal make versus uh, Nate? 500000 maybe probably with everything? Million, probably a million millions. at the end no, of it? probably millions. I, I, from, what I understand, from what I understand, it was a big number, and you got a big cut of um, what, you know, whatever pay So what would was. you guess? Masvidal I would think he made. walked away with about 4 or $5 million. Really? Yeah, I would think so. Wow. Yeah. It's a, it's a good number. High. 
I would think it's around that number. That's um, insane. I mean, it's an MSG. But still, to MSG, a, it's, a it's big still a gate. lot for MMA. But Canelo, we, we decided, made what, 35 million? He makes 30, yeah, 33 million a fight. Yeah. Right? Like that's, so there's difference, but I'm still saying there's 5 money million there's is money. crazy. Yes. Yeah. But still, I'm I'm surprised that I think it, I, you would I would said guess it's much. around that amount. Like maybe I'm maybe I'm over exaggerating, but um, I could text his agent; he probably would tell me. But yeah. but I mean, he, purse money is one thing. Yeah. Pay per views another thing. I mean, but still, that's in, that's still incredible. Yeah, for sure. But so still, I think, no. I would boxing think it was money. a big number. I would think it was a big number. Well, but it's not boxing. It, but it's boxing co-main money. Yeah, probably more than co-main. Like, money. like what do you think that guy, what, Billy, what's Billy, the guy Joe think? Billy Joe Saunders got paid to co-headline that? KSI, he's a bigger name. He probably got a mill. Do you want to pay any attention to this KSI Logan Paul thing? Do you, is there anything about this you'd want to discuss? Um, I thought personally, just to quickly hit the point, I thought they did well for their. If you look at it as how much actual boxing experience they had, and then seeing them box six rounds, I thought it was pretty impressive. Yeah, I didn't watch any of it based so I... on their level. I I did it because. Uh, Todd Grisham called the fight. So right, I yeah, wanted yeah, to hear how Todd was doing. He called it with Ryan Garcia, too, which was pretty cool. Um, but, I mean, it just, they did well for what they had. They've never fought pro. First time fighting without headgear. They moved well, used the jab, had strategy, showed head movement. It wasn't overly scrappy. So I think for the amount of experience they had, they put on a great fight. Okay, I thought it cool. was good That's in good that. You know, for their experience, was it the most technical boxing match? Should they fight other boxers? No. Yeah. Okay. No, there you no, go. No. But but that's good. You're being realistic first, about it. Yeah. For sure. For what they have and the amount of time they've training, they fought. They both fought really well. There was a stupid point where KSI, uh, sorry, Logan Paul lost two points. Yeah. For a punch on the ground, and that's why he lost um, the fight. He lost the fight. Yeah. I saw this. Shouldn't have lost two points. So it probably should have been a draw. But uh, I thought technically, boxing-wise, they did well for the experience they had. It does, it does open the sport up to a new audience. It does get the zone probably a monthly subscription for at least one month from yeah. a lot of people. So I get why they do it. But I mean, it almost needs to stop there. Yeah. You know? Because like, I think uh, otherwise people are starting to get hurt. Because you're putting real boxing on the undercard. They're going to get hurt. Like if you just took a bunch of YouTube or Instagram influencers yeah. and put them on a big yes. card of boxing Which together. Which people are thinking, you know? Yeah. It's like the Conor McGregor versus, you know, uh, Mayweather. It happened once and it was massive. These yeah. two guys had the perfect platform. Let's not get two other people just to hurt each other now. You're, you're using our sport in, in, in the wrong way. Oh, I hate him! I hate him! Let's let's go fight in a boxing match. Well, it's 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 not really about hating someone and wanting to go punch them after in the face. It's part of the sport; it grows it. But let's have a little bit more respect for for it. I think, anyways. I like Joe Rogan's idea, like where you just have a gigantic gymnasium. You just put the two in there and just say, "Okay, go ahead, go yeah, ahead, go." <laughs> more people would pay for that, wouldn't they? Yeah, more unpredictable. But I think a lot of the complaint from the boxing community was you put this crazy show of KSI and Logan Paul, and then you put someone like Billy Joe Saunders yeah, on the co-main event, a legit boxer, kind of devalues that boxer almost. So I think some of the hardcore boxing fans were a little annoyed. It got more eyeballs on them. Like if you would have yeah. just put that as the main event for its own standalone, it would have gotten less. Yeah. Well, I mean, far less. Probably, but again, the people in that arena, most of them weren't hardcore boxing fans. Yeah. So a lot of them probably had no idea who Saunders was. But ultimately, though, if you go to a boxing event, like people just show up for the main event. Even the yeah. co- like, I remember the Mayweather. I was so confused because I had never like covered boxing before, and I was at Mayweather McGregor, and I was in the stands, and it wasn't until like the end of the Badu Jack co-main event. That, like, That's when he was all split enter. up too, wasn't he? When he was all bleeding? No, no, I think it was, was a different one. one. It was that was Badu Jack versus. Uh, 
Uh, and it was manager really well. Yeah, I don't remember who the uh, the who he fought, but whatever. That's exactly it. I didn't remember who he fought. Yeah. So in the co-main event, like people were showing up like at the end of that. Yeah. You know, like it, it was basically almost an like ten ten percent full until that main event. And then everyone. And that's just when everybody boom. shows up. Whereas in, in MMA, you see people there that are there from the opening bell. Oh yeah, I would be there if at an MMA show. I'd be there on probably the early prelim. Yeah, of course, yeah, I'd same be with me. all the fights. Yeah, if I was just a paying customer. I'd be there for sure. First, yeah. first fight out the gate. A lot of those tickets are comped by casinos and stuff too. I'm sure, right? For, for the, the big rich people and yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure, you they're want, comped, you, right? Yeah. A lot mm-hmm. of them comped by probably the promoter. Yeah. All right. So what else do we got here? Conor McGregor, John Kavanaugh was on Twitter this week and said that the Straight Blast Gym in Ireland would be closed from 10 p.m. or 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. every day, uh, closed to the public. Wow. Members only. And then Conor McGregor was posting some pictures of him doing. Uh, all these workouts. It seems to me that a fight between Conor McGregor and either Justin Gaethje or, or more, more likely Cowboy Cerrone is imminently going to be announced. That's what McGregor's agent said to Ariel Hawani. Adi Attar said uh, he felt that an announcement was imminent. It seems like this is going to happen um, in Las Vegas, January. Do you feel like there's enough runway for them to promote this thing right now? Probably, right? I mean, two months? It's Conor. So, it's yeah, Connor. he doesn't yeah. need much time. Yeah. I think uh, as soon as you get on it, he's ready to go. And I think it's January works for him because of the nature of the opponents. If it was a Khabib, I would be like, eh, you need more wrestling time. I don't think there'll ever be enough wrestling time for him to do well against Khabib. But I think the, it's just his opponents really work well uh, for having maybe the shorter camp, if anything. But uh, I'm hoping for Gaethje, personally. Me too. I would like, I'm I'd personally like it, I'd prefer it to be Gaethje. It just makes, like, this is the problem I have with it is McGregor's what? You have the rankings. I think he's third. And then you've got Gaethje fourth, Cerrone fifth, or it's Gaethje third, McGregor fourth, Cerrone fifth, Let's something along those lines. See. Where's the lightweights? They have um, Cerrone at five, Gaethje at four, Connor at three. Okay, so th- this is why I have a problem with it. That fact that Gaethje, Connor's three? Well, no, Gaethje just beats Cerrone. Yeah, so, so if, four if and you're five. the fourth ranked guy, why would the third ranked guy? Face the guy that lost to the fourth ranked guy instead of the fourth ranked guy. I know the like answer. Like if you're going to progress, the, well, everybody knows the answer, yeah. I think. But if you're going to progress the division in a real, like a a way that is based on merit, but I don't know? think a Conor McGregor fight has anything to do with you know prestige or like respect to the division. Yep, it's based it doesn't on, because it's based one, on a, a script. Yes, he's not going to be the fighter that's going to want to fight up the ranks. He's only going to take big fights. He's not going to come back and have to take Poirier and then Ferguson. Like He's only going to take the big fights. I think he's allowed to do it because even if you're ranked at those other positions, you know you're going to get a payday. You know you're going to get that exposure from Conor McGregor. So I think everybody's fine with it. And Masvidal brought up a great point this week. He goes, Conor was talking about fighting the winner of me and Nate. Where is he? Yeah, Since yeah. I've won, I haven't heard a peep out of him. Yeah. And I think I think he's got a that, valid point. That's a dangerous fight. Very dangerous fight. I actually do. I think Cowboy's a dangerous fight. I honestly really like that fight. Like I, him versus Masvidal? I, I, I do too. I think so. I almost like it more than Ferguson. I think I'd like Masvidal um, over him having to like stay in. I want more of those fun fights, you know? Yeah, but Conor would have to move up to 170 to fight Masvidal. But Masvidal's a small guy. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, if Conor at 170 would be probably close I bet to you, the size of Masvidal. Yeah, I'd probably say bigger. Yeah. You think so? I don't I, know about that. Because I honestly don't think Masvidal cuts much weight. Neither he looks Con- Neither would Conor, though, at 170. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I kind of like that fight, but 
I know he's I trying to go back. You don't think? No, it's dangerous Not for right him. Not right now. Yeah. But what I'm saying, like striking wise, the fact that Masvidal will sit there with him, and I like that. Connor's actually like Cowboy for him is actually kind of the perfect matchup because I think that that's the opponent where if he can't get past Cowboy then he's not going to get a title shot ever again yeah. for the most and part. And, I mean, at the same time, Cerrone almost deserves a big payday, huge fight I know. Like he's this. done so many favors for so the So it's promotion. almost kind of like that. Like, all right. I just let, feel bad for You're Gaethje not going to get the title. Gaethje's got nobody to fight with now. Like, Gaethje, like... Well, he's he, almost that one that should be, be pushed up a little bit more. I guess more, Gaethje could fight know? Poirier, but that's happened already. Yeah. Poirier beat him recently. So this, But maybe that's why... They should fight again, and then the Maybe. winner gets the one. But I don't know. If I'm Gaethje, I'm just chilling. I'm saying, like, listen, let's see what happens. I, I, I would almost bet on, if I'm Gaethje, bet on Cowboy beating McGregor. Like, I think he kind of has to do that. He has to kind of sit back and, and say. hope. Yeah, and, and hope that Cowboy gets the job done and that he gets the next title Because, shot. you know, if, if McGregor wins the talk, he's going right up to probably. Probably going to face Khabib. Yeah. But I also think that maybe Gaethje fights Khabib regardless, or Khabib Ferguson winner regardless. Maybe that's what they want to do. Maybe they're saying to Gaethje, listen, we're not giving you the Conor fight, but you're next in line after. Yeah. Hmm. Who knows? It's an interesting time right now in that division because Conor McGregor kind of calls the shots as usual. Yep. The division revol- revolves around him. And what he wants. Money talks. Yep. Money talks. Uh, so the UFC has announced an event in Raleigh, North Carolina. I believe it's January the 25th. And they announced two big fights for the card. Curtis Blades versus Junior Dos Santos. And Frankie Edgar making his bantamweight debut, uh, debut against Corey Sandhagen. Yeah. Those are two great fights. Like, yeah. for a fight night, doesn't get much better than that. And Corey Sandhagen, is he's one of the guys you've been really behind? Yeah, I like yeah. Sandhagen a lot. You've been really behind Both him. as a guy and as a fighter. Yeah. What do you think of the matchup with Edgar? I think it makes a lot of sense for both of them. Yeah. Because Edgar, like, Sandhagen needs to beat people with name value right now. I think that that's wh- how you get him more recognized. He, he doesn't have much of a name just yet, but he's beating people and he's beating them in a in pretty dominant fashion. Um, whereas Edgar, I think if you can get him to beat a younger guy, similar to Peter Jan versus Faber, which is happening in December, you take these younger guys, you put them up against like the, the veterans of the division, and you basically say like if the veteran wins, they're getting into title position, and if they lose, yeah. you, you get you boost a young person. And you it's kind of it's a good position uh, for Frankie Edgar too. You're coming in and you know fighting the third ranked fighter. I think it's an amazing fight stylistically. I, I have no clue how that one because of that go. height of Sanhagen. Well, it's the height. It's also just like the the way that they like. They're gonna they're gonna stand and trade like they, yeah. they're gonna basically go punch for punch. See whose boxing is better. I think that head movement yeah, versus length. Exactly. It's just that's a really cool matchup. Yeah. What do you have in your mind in the Aaron Bronstetter book of of bets? What would you put that at? Like Who, in terms of uh, the opening the line? Odds. Yeah. What would you I have? I would think Sanhagen would be around minus one sixty. You put in Sanhagen as the yeah, favorite. I think he would be minus one sixty. Wow. And I think for Blades against that's that's pretty high. Uh, well, you maybe. put Sanhagen that much yeah. as a favorite. And I think Blades versus Dos Santos, you'd put Blades at like minus three twenty, minus three hundred. Like I think Blades should be a, a sizable favorite over over Dos Santos. Yeah, the wrestling. The rest <laughs> well, it's not just the wrestling. I think that even his striking at this point in time is enough to Longer, stand to, more to stand and possibly even knock. The problem uh, is Junior kind of needs to like stay technical. Where Curtis kind of his reach, his length, and his way he grabs you. Like, yeah, I would put him as a as a good favorite. I think he should be a sizable favorite in that fight yeah. for sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm still I'm still torn between that Edgar, but minus one sixty for opening odds from Mister Bronstetter. Yeah, I wonder if uh, any of the lines for that have come out yet. If they've put an opener out there yet for it, I'm gonna just take a quick peek because that would be in like the uh, the future category. Yeah, I'm, no, not yet, nothing yet. There's a CM Punk versus Logan Paul line. 
And who's the favorite? <laughs> CM Punk minus two twenty five against oh, Logan Paul in MMA. He's in a MMA. favorite. Okay, yes. that's why. Boxing, he would lose. There's Conor McGregor versus Gaethje line. There's a McGregor versus Cerrone line. There's a Conor Masvidal. There's a Conor Masvidal line. There's a Khabib Ferguson line. There's a John Jones at a sign too. Yeah, John Jones. John Jones minus, minus five fifty. The yeah. disrespect. Yeah. And Khabib minus three fifty over GSP. McGregor <laughs> Cerrone's wow. up. Um, yeah. So McGregor's minus one ninety. That'll go up, I think, once that fight's actually announced. Yeah, and then Gaethje, they have uh, Gaethje as the favorite, minus one fifty five favorite. Yeah, I think it opened as uh, Gaethje was an underdog in the opener, if I'm not mistaken. Let's see where it opened. No, Gaethje opened as a as a favorite in that one too. Hmm, interesting. All right, well, that's a, that's a look ahead to uh, but fights that may never happen. <laughs> that's All right, funny. so Jacare this weekend against Jan Bojovic in the main event of uh, UFC Fight Night in Sao Paulo. And I've had people ask why I pronounce it Bojovic, and that's because Bojovic. that's how he told me it was pronounced. Bojovic. So he's going to uh, take on Jacare. And uh, this is an interesting one. Like, Bojovic is a, is a decent favorite, decent-sized favorite at minus 175. But I think I think I would lean Jacare in this one, honestly. Yeah. I think that Jacare, um, his striking will, will not be as good as, as Bojovic, but it's not going to be that far off. Yeah. And I think that as soon as Jacare can grab a hold of Bojovic, I don't think Bojovic has dealt with anybody with the grappling chops of a, of a Jacare. I'll look back and see, but I mean, I just know that the light heavyweight division doesn't really have anybody like that. Yeah, there's nobody even close to the level of a Bojovic in terms of grappling. But the best one he's probably dealt with is actually Luke Rockwell in the last yeah. fight, but that didn't go to the ground. But this is Jacare moving up in weight as well. Yeah, Jacare moving up. Yeah, this is so that could be um, a difference because he's, you know, Jacare, when he fights into middleweight, he's just big and strong. Yeah. So can he use that advantage in the light heavyweight division? I mean, that could be the question. Yeah, that, but... that's, that's true. And it's, you could have said the same thing for Rockhold, and Rockhold failed. Weidman, same thing. Yep. All those guys that moved up have so far been unsuccessful. We yep. haven't seen Jacare yet. But uh, Jacare has uh, only been knocked out once. It was by Robert Whitaker. So, I mean, this isn't the guy who has like a... And he was knocked out by Musasi back in the day and in his debut fight against Jorge Patino back in 2003. <laughs> so this isn't the guy who you could say has a suspect chin. Yeah. He's just tough. He's big and he's scary, man. He scares me. Like he's one of those guys in the ring that just looks like a scary presence to me. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. big, strong, with those big alligator like things that he does after. Like he's just mean to me. And I think that he'll do look okay at two hundred five. Yeah. I don't think he'll look like tiny. He'll be shorter than Bojovic yeah. for sure. But Bojovic he's just is pretty built tall. like a tank. Yeah. So I mean, he's built like the Yoel Romero's. You know, like he's just different breed. Yeah. So I I, I think that Jacare. In this spot, I think the the line of Jacare by submission is uh, plus four ten. Like that's worth a look if you're if you're interested in that angle of this fight. Yeah. I think that that's worth a serious look. Yeah, it's a tough one. And over mean, over five rounds, you don't think that there's a good chance that he submits. He can him. grab him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like that. I like that. And then uh, the rest of the card is there's not a whole lot to talk about on it. Honestly, um, we do have James Krause joining us later on in the show. Uh, taking on Sergio Marais. That's a fun um, fight. Yeah, well, there are a lot of fun fights on this. There's not there's not a lot that has a lot of ramifications for the division. But I mean, uh, Shogun's fun to, to always fun to watch. Yeah, Shogun versus Paul Craig is is a fun one. But you know what? Charles Oliveira. What I'm interested in is that this this Charles Oliveira fight. I was going to say is that's the fight to watch for me because the last person to beat Charles Oliveira to figure out that puzzle is Paul Felder, and he's a training partner of of Gordon. Of Gordon, of Jared yeah. Gordon. So. I think that Gordon's a Duke guy, right? Pretty sure. Yeah, he's a Duke yeah. Rufus guy. So I think that uh, Jared Gordon has probably learned a, a couple little hacks yeah. going into this fight that might give him something of an edge. I'm a I'm a big Charles Oliveira guy. Like Me I've, too. I've Me always too. said that like 
for years I've been saying he's my favorite fighter to watch in the UFC. I just can't believe that he's ranked where he is. Do you know? He should be ranked higher, I think. I would think so. Yeah. I mean, that's why the light the lightweight division is so interchangeable. Like you, look, I don't think Cowboy should be ranked as high as he is no. in the lightweight division. But no, I don't think so. You can either. mix and match and move things around, and it's kind yeah, of all. I, I'm very surprised that Cowboy's even ranked even that high. even McGregor probably shouldn't be ranked that high in the no, lightweight division. Based on what he's been doing, he's, like, he's one and one in the division's history. The guy he's beaten is no longer in the UFC. I don't know. Like yeah. these are things to look at and consider. But uh, yeah, that that's going to be an interesting one because I don't know. Like I think that if somebody like a Paul Felder is either in your corner or is, is helping you, and you, you saw how he performed against Oliveira, he might have some tricks up his sleeve. That being said, Charles Oliveira is a dangerous, dangerous man and uh, one of the best finishers. I think if he, I think I saw something today that if he gets a finish, he's going to be the all-time finishes leader in UFC history or something along I those could, lines. He submits you, he'll knock you out. Like, just amazing. Oh, and he's only 30. Like, he's been in the UFC forever. Seems like it, and, and he's just years old. he has that like fun personality where he's smiling, he's giggling. You can tell he's enjoying the process. I always ask just him if he, if he still wants fight. to move back to one forty five, and he always says yes. I just don't understand why he's missed weight so many times at one forty five, and just he wants to do it again. He says maybe one more, and they have him. Yeah, they have him at thirteen. Yeah, and he's what won four in a row, I think. Yeah. Last loss was the Felder in the end of 2017. But so I mean, such a beast of a lineup in the lightweight division, though. I know. Yeah, let's run through them for me because I don't have. So like, it's me. crazy because you're like, oh, he's 13, yeah, but in, go, ahead of go him. ahead of go before Cowboy, like from Cowboy down after uh, who's at from six? Cowboy Felder. Felder Felder's at six. Well, okay, yeah. so he moves up. Seven Dan Hooker. Okay, Dan Hooker, tough fight. He's a beast. Yeah. Eight Kevin Lee. Yeah. Nine uh, Iaquinta. Okay. Ten Barboza. I don't know how you rank Lee ahead of Ayakinta, but okay. I mean, Ayakinta's um, lost two in a row, but Ayakinta's <laughs> last win is over Kevin Lee, so whatever. Yeah. And he's beaten uh, him twice. Eleven, you have uh, Pettis. Okay. Um, Twelve is Gregor Gillespie, and then thirteen Oliveira. So I mean, yeah. he could. He... I mean, I don't know how you rank Gregor Gillespie ahead of Oliveira after that loss to Kevin Lee. I mean, uh, I guess because Kevin fought, Lee's ranked well, eight. But Gillespie hasn't fought anybody. He just yeah. hasn't beaten anybody. It's just his record, right? Yeah. He was yeah. like thirteen and zero or yeah. twelve and zero before he yeah. came in. Mm-hmm. Um, Pettis could be a fun fight for Oliveira. I would like to see Gregor Gillespie versus Oliveira. You have a guy who's striking. Like I think Oliveira. That's who I would have put Gregor Gillespie against to begin with, is, instead is of Kevin Lee. Oliveira. Yeah, I, I like that matchup because then you've got a, you've got a guy who's an elite elite wrestler that's gonna want to try to take Oliveira down on the feet. Yeah. I think Oliveira would have a good advantage over. I just him. think we we almost needed a win for Kevin Lee. Yeah. You know, you needed to. And he's Kevin too young, too good, too talented. Yeah. He he needs a win or two before we start pressuring him. You know, because they have him eight now. If you're gonna go in the top seven after that, they're all ridiculously yeah. hard. Kevin fights. Lee versus Hooker would be a good fight. Yeah. Like I really like that. that. Kevin Lee versus Felder, good fight. Yep. So there's like a lot, lot of uh, good possibilities. Uh, all right, so we have uh, we have that. We have James Krause, who's uh, facing uh, Sergio Marais. This is going to be a fun one. Um, Rice is going to be a real puzzle for uh, James Krause to solve. Yeah. Um, so that's going to be interesting, and that's that's what I spoke to him about when I, we chatted. So just a disclaimer for this interview. Uh, midway through the interview, my microphone starts sounding weird, so I apologize for that. You, you'll still be able to decipher what I'm asking, but... Uh, some technical difficulties along the way. That being said, here's our interview with the James Krause on the TSN MMA show. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to introduce this week's guest. I'm joined now by the James Krause, who will be facing Sergio Moraes this weekend in UFC Fight Night. Wahovic versus Jacare in Sao Paulo, Brazil. How are you today, James? I'm good. How about you guys? I'm good. You know, the James Krause is one of my favorite nicknames in MMA. <laughs> Oh, it's stupid how it came up. Uh, so I'll keep it short. 
there's a basically like coming up in the you know you know, like when MySpace comes out, you want to do like MySpace, Twitter, Facebook, you know, backslash, whatever your URL is. Some kid I actually went to college with him. His name is James Coffey. Lives in the same town as I did. I took everything before I get to it. So I was always trying. To, I didn't want to be like James Coffey NNA or James Coffey 155 because I didn't know if I would ever jump weight classes, which ironically enough I just did 13 years later. <clears throat> but uh, so I just put these James Coffey. I was like, that's the only thing I could think of. I was like, sure, I'll change it later. So I was on a radio show in Kansas City. And, uh, the host just blew it up, and then from there it just stuck, you know. And you can't can't get rid of, can't get rid of your nickname, so it is what it is. Well, what happened to the other James Krause? That's what I'm curious about. I don't know. I haven't I haven't <laughs> like looked him up in a long time. Well, it doesn't matter. He's not the James Krause, anyways. That's right. It's it's <laughs> it's better to be the James Krause than just regular old James Krause now. And everybody does it different. So this is a, a a fun one for you, Sergio Moraes. You relish high level problem solving, and that's exactly what this is. Oh man, like I really appreciate you saying that. I, I I feel like that's one of the most underrated parts of my game. Uh, yeah. So I really like this. Uh, I really like this matchup uh, from a from like a from a fight perspective because I feel like Sergio. Obviously, he's super dangerous. He has a lot of uh, tools. And the, the thing that I like about this for me is it, it really is going to test me on a different level. I mean, I feel like from the fan perspective uh, and even from the UFC perspective, I feel like people classify me as a striker. Um, I came up, I, I mean, I came up a grappler, you know what I mean? Like I'm not, I'm not a third, uh, three-time world champion uh, in jiu-jitsu like Sergio is, but I really haven't been in like a sprawling brawl situation where, you know what I mean? Like it's always, it's, it's always where I'm usually the favorite on the ground. And, and I feel like if I test him on the ground, you know, like it's definitely not something that you just want to hang out on the ground, surgery Marais. So um, I do feel like he's on the chopping block though. I feel like he needs a win. I think he's going to go back to the well. Uh, and he's going to go back to what got him here. I think he's going to try to take me down. Uh, that's what I would try to do. Uh, but you know, we'll see. We'll see. I feel good. Uh, I'm I'm prepared to to go everywhere. I feel like I have a a large striking advantage with my range and, like you said, problem solving skills. Uh, I do feel like I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna solve the puzzle though. There are some good archetypes for this kind of matchup. You, you look at um, the different fights that Damian Maya had against uh, whether it's Colby Covington or Usman, uh, even Charles Oliveira on this card. Uh, his fight with Paul Felder. Do you look at matchups like that and when you're trying to figure out how to uh, beat a really elite jiu-jitsu player? Well, yeah. I mean, you gotta you gotta take stuff like that into account, right? I mean, uh, I think I think the uh, the blueprint is uh, I think it's very apparent on who needs to do what to win this fight. Um, that's not to say that I can't sub him or he can't knock me out. You know what I mean? But I think it's pretty obvious who needs to do what to 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 uh, establish a very clear advantage for that for for themselves. So, um, I think the thing that I think that the advantage that I have going for me is uh, I don't mind being I don't mind going to the ground with him if I'm on top. So uh, I don't mind that at all. And uh, I, I just think I think the the, the biggest thing that I'm going to have is my footwork. I feel like he's going to have a really hard time finding me out there. You know, if, if you watch his fight with Warley, he had a hard time finding Warley, and, and I, I feel like I made Warley do circles out there. So. Uh, We'll see. You know what I mean? Like it's it, it is a very interesting matchup because Sergio sort of brings some real high level jujitsu to the table. He's not an overly great wrestler, but uh, you know if if he gets on top of me, there could be some real problems. You've become a, a pretty um, recognized coach now in MMA. You've got Grant Dawson, who's one of the, the top prospects uh, in MMA right now. Uh, Megan Anderson, one of the top 
at 145 in the world. I mean, there's not that many in the UFC right now, but I mean, <laughs> she still gets that badge of honor. Uh, what's it mm-hmm. like to continue fighting while you're coaching? Uh, I mean, I, I love it. I, you know, it's, it's, it's good. I, I feel like, uh, I don't know how much longer I'll continue to fight. You know what I mean? I, I don't know what that looks like. Uh, but it's, I think it's, it's great for me to, you know, set an example for these, for these guys coming up. And, uh, you know, I, I, I like it. I like it because it, uh, it shows them, you know, like I, 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 practice what I preach and I'm, I'm, I'm really living the life that I'm asking them to live. So, uh, you know, I, like I said, I think it's just a being, a being a leader for the people, uh, next to you instead of, instead of telling them you're showing them. So I think there's some, some really big advantages to still training with your team and, you know, being a part of that and still competing. And I think that's also as a coach, I think that's one thing that I have an advantage over some, like you could say that, you know, still fighting is a, uh, is a disadvantage. And I do think once I become a full-time coach, I do think I will hit like a catapult and become way better. But I also think that there are advantages to still competing as you're coaching as well. So I, I feel like I get to see a different look that, that a lot of these other coaches aren't able to see. And one thing that uh, I think sets you apart from a lot of others, you know, Clay Guida got a win over BJ Penn in Brazil earlier this year and said, I, you know, I still want to fight for the title. You said that you don't really have any title aspirations anymore. You, you've kind of made peace with that, and you feel like you've hit every goal that you've wanted to in MMA. Um, is, is that peace something that helps you uh, right now? I mean, a lot of people put a lot of pressure on themselves. It seems like you don't put a lot on yourself right now. <laughs> well, I think the, uh, the, the, the situation that I'm in that I've created for myself is, I don't have to do this to pay my bills. So if I were to go out and lose five in a row or whatever it is, you know what I mean? Like my bills are still paid and I'm still living a good life. So there's really like, it is strictly from a competitive edge. Like I, I want to win. It's not about money. I don't have to take fights that aren't smart for me. I don't have to take fights on short notice. I don't have to do anything that I don't want to do. I am strictly in this uh, to be a competitor and uh and that is it you know so i think that is a big uh, i think that's a big advantage that i hold over a lot of the other, these other guys because i see some of the younger guys taking fights where you know short notice and, and i keep hearing the, the term like i need money i need the money i need the money and it drives me crazy when these young guys say that like you know i need the money well yeah but if you especially some of these guys coming off contender series you know they they, they say they need the money but then they lose and they get cut. And it's like, man, the money train is gone now. Like you could have extended the money train out a little bit, but you chose to take a stupid matchup on short notice. So now the money train's left. So it just, you know, it, it just doesn't make sense on on a lot of these some of these other kids because they feel like they're trapped where they have to fight, and that's just not the case. You don't have to do anything. Uh, just people have a tendency to figure out things in life, and I think that's one of the biggest advantages for me is I don't have to do anything if I don't want to. I fight when I want to compete. And when I do fight, that is the only reason that I fight is to is strictly competitive edge. And obviously the money is nice. The extra money, you know what I mean? Like who's going it, to, it's nice to have that extra, whatever it is, you know what I mean? Win loss, you just, it, it can depend on how much amount it is, but it's nice to have in your bank account. You know, if you're going to compete, you might as well make some money out. Well, in your first fight, you won, I believe, with two bonuses. How did that change your life early on? I know that a lot of these fighters are looking for, you know, more money, but that must have been a, a real, um, a really important moment in your life—a watershed moment. Yeah, I mean, it really, it really set the stage for, uh, it really set the stage for the, the rest of my life, to be honest with you, because I, I used that money to, to purchase the gym that I now own. That like, it, 
it pretty much is my uh i would say it's like my my number one job like i live off that money and the like the money i get from fighting i use that investment money i buy real estate or invest however i see fit at the time but i live off the money that i make from the gym which i bought from the the bonuses so it really set the stage for the rest of my life to be honest with you guys and what's it like to be a business owner? I mean, how are you able to juggle that with your training, with your coaching, um, and, and make sure that the gym is, is able to, um, you know, do its thing when you're not around? Well, I think, I think people ask me that a lot, like, how am I able to juggle? And there's a, there's a couple different things, two different things that come to mind. One, I have a, I feel like I have a pace, and I feel like it's very similar to how I fight. Like, uh, you said I have a very – you these are your words. I think you said I had something along the lines of, like, I have a, a good ability to uh, problem-solve on the fly or something like that. And I, I think that's my personality. It's not just how I fight. It's, you know, it's, it's my personality. And um, I, I think I'm able to juggle way better. Like, I think you guys – me going to the gym in the morning, and uh, first of all, I'm up at, like, 6, 7 o'clock in the morning. I'm doing work. I'm getting my stuff done. Then I go train. I don't ever take days off. You know, and I train twice a day. Even if I'm not fighting, I'm still training twice a day. I always train. And then these guys after training, they'll go home and take naps. Well, when they go take a nap, like I just go, I go back to to quote unquote work. And it's not like I'm doing anything. Like I love what I do, so I don't really consider it work. You know, so um, I just you know oversee whatever it is, whether it be real estate stuff that day, or whether it be the gym, or whatever it is that I'm working on that current time. I I, I oversee that stuff. So, and then the second part of that is I think just having a great team and whatever you're doing you have to have good people that surround you and i have a i feel like i'm a good leader in that sense that i can surround myself with uh good people that are capable of of running things whenever i am focused on other whether you know like for example i don't worry about the gym when i'm away for camp or whenever i'm here like it does it does fine on its own because i have a great team running it at home I mentioned um, Grant Dawson as one of the, the big prospects, but you also coach Sean Woodson. Uh, he, I mean, we saw his beat over the weekend with what you can do with that sort of reach and height at the featherweight division. I mean, Sean Woodson looks like he's going to be the real deal. Yeah, I mean, Grant and Sean both are uh, – I'll tell you what, the, uh, both those dudes have some very, very, very unique puzzles uh, to be solved. And uh I'm I'm just telling you, man. I've been around the game for a long time, and the, both the puzzles that both these kids bring to the table, they're going to be extremely difficult to figure out in 15 minutes. Like, you have you have to have somebody like both of the guys. They are not. Uh, you you can watch all the video, and I see the look when these guys when these guys fight other people. Like you can tell that they watch the video and they see, and then when they get in there, the video doesn't do do justice. When they get in there, it's just different. When they get their hands on you, it's just different. The feel is different. You can't. No amount of video that you can watch will prepare you for what is the feel of the fight is. You know, and uh, man, both of those kids have have big things coming. All right, James. It's a pleasure speaking with you. I look forward to uh, watching that elite problem solving in action against Sergio Moraes this weekend. Thank you for doing this. Hey, man, I'm gonna do my best not to disappoint. That was the James Krause. I know you uh, you like James Krause. You, I you do. And him exchange messages a lot. Always, he has a nice bazooka shirt. He's got a good team. Um, yeah, he's, he has a, a Glory MMA gym. I think it's called. And yeah, it's in just, Kansas City, yeah. Yeah, and it's just great. I mean, I think as a fighter in MMA, he's almost a, a, a nice person to look up to because one, he's always working on his craft. He's family man. 
You see him with his kids and his wife and his family all the time. Then he also has a successful gym outside of fighting, so he's a coach. So I think he's looking at the sport as a whole, and he's just a he's a good person to follow. So I hope him nothing but the best. Two solid prospects as well, and uh, Grant Dawson and Sean Woodson right now. Yeah, I mean that's it. He's a, a top fighter with a top gym, with good fighters, and a family man. He wins in my books. And Megan Anderson, a perpetual top three women's featherweight yeah, in the UFC. She's good. Since the day, day she joined up until now. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but she's great. She's tall. She's awkward. She fights well. Well, and she looked good in her last fight, that's for yeah. sure. All right, uh, so it's time for our picks. UFC fight night in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Do you want to start? Uh, sure. I mean, this is a little tougher one, but uh, I'm going to do a parlay with uh, Ricardo Ramos. Oh, well, actually, let me break down our, uh, our, recent, uh, okay. our recent inventory here. So I'm at $112.40. We each started the year at $100, and every uh, one of these is worth $10. So it's a one unit is $10, so to speak. I'm at $112.40 over the, year, over the course of the year. My last two events, I had uh, Riddell and Matthews parlayed that one, and I had Zawada last week. I hope people tailed that one, plus 265. Zawada got the win. Uh, Joe... Uh, is at $193.40, had Adesanya, and then last week had Danny Roberts, who was a 2-1 to underdog as well. So yep. both of us had big underdogs last week. So, and he uh, got a nasty knockout, that too. That was a nice knockout, Hot yeah. Chocolate and same with Zawada, got that nice finish. Yep. So uh, Joe is at $193.40, almost, almost doubled. doubled. There you go. Yep. So I, I've got some catching up to do, so we need a swing here, but... Uh, so go ahead. Okay, my first. I'm going to parlay. I just the want first everybody one. to know of your success, so they can yes, they know what to so do. So they here. know if they should pick or not. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Ricardo Ramos, parlayed with Tracy Cortez. All right. I'm picking Cortez because I do have a little crush on her. Okay. Well, there you and go. And she did well um, in her to UFC show. debut. Me too. Me too. I do have a crush on you. I like, I like that your picks are just based on that. They're yeah, that, that's that. worth it. Yeah. <laughs> but she did well. I've been following her last few fights, so I mean. Why not? Let's give her a shot. So that's on basically my even money. It's plus 102. Okay. So then my second one, I'm going to get out of the way. I'm going to take a shot. I was going to take a shot, and I just, based on his experience, I know he's been hit or miss in the past. Uh, I know miss, there's miss trying. or miss, but yeah. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> Hen and Burrell, let's do it. All right. You're, plus you're, 200. You're going to the plus 200. I mean, yeah. last week you hit Danny Roberts. He he wasn't exactly on a roll, so maybe, uh, maybe you're onto something I'm onto here. something here. So here, let's, so I'm, just, I'm just documenting this. So we got Burrell. Plus 200, and we got Ramos and Cortez yep. at plus 102. All right, and I'm going to uh, make my selections, which are Paul Craig, plus 235. Um, just who at this age, um, I just, I can't, I can't pay that kind of price. Oh, I feel, I just, it's just strictly, the box. I it's just can't go against strictly it. a, uh, a value play, really, for yeah. Paul Craig. Paul Craig, you know what you're getting with Paul Craig. He's, yeah. His striking's getting a little bit better. Uh, his sub game is really solid. I think who is going to have a big advantage on the feet, but if this gets to the ground, Paul Craig is so crafty that I, I'm, I'm willing to take a stab uh, on Paul Craig at plus yep, 235. I can see that. Um, so I'm going to put that one in in our document here that uh, tracks this kind of stuff. And then my other pick is going to be Francisco Trinaldo at minus 130. Ooh, I was um, thinking about that too. To me, I was this is stuck just, on it. It's just a tactical fight that I, I, I just think Trinaldo is, is better pretty much everywhere here. Um, I, I like Bobby Green because he's me too. I like, he I like moves the Kings too. well, you know? Yeah. Like he moves really well. 
But I think Trinaldo has that wiry Brazilian range and scrappiness that's going to make it a tough fight for Bobby yeah, Green. Trinaldo, but, 41 years of age. But when Bobby Green is on with his distance, his angles, his footwork, he's really tough to beat. But I just think it's really tough against Trinaldo. I, was th- I sat on it. That's why it took me a little longer because I was sitting on that fight thinking that was going to be my one. But. Yeah, you know, Trinaldo typically doesn't lose to people that um, – he should beat, and I think this is one of those cases. But again, at 41, you never know when he's going to turn the corner. Um, Bobby Green has retired and unretired several times yeah. as well. So, yeah. um, you know, if you look at his losses, Ronaldo he rarely loses a decision. Uh, he lost the decision to Vic and Hernandez in recent years, but prior to that, like he lost to Chiesa by decision. Like he loses to really good fighters. Yeah, is what I'm trying to. He get He was at. on a nice run for a while. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, he was a scary guy so, at uh, one point. So that's uh, that's what I like. And Bobby Green, looking at his track record of late, uh, win over Eric Koch back in uh, the beginning of January t- 2018. Uh, a, a year ago, he lost to Drakkar Close by unanimous decision. So uh, that's I guess his recent fights. But before that was uh, had only before the Koch win, he had lost three. He had he had a draw with Venata and lost three in a row prior to that. Although against good names, against Edson Barbosa, Dustin Poirier, and Rashid Magomedov, Not, yeah, nothing to yeah. really you know. Golf out there. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Ronaldo minus 130. That's, uh, that's my play there. There we go. Anything else we want to touch on uh, today, Joe? Uh, no. You got to get to the gym? Good. Yeah, I start at 5. So there you so go. I go, and I usually I brought lunch, to, uh, dinner. I'm actually fasted. I'm proud of myself right now. So how, when was the last uh, time you ate? I'm going to check my timer now. Oh, look at that. So, you got a whole and I had a nice workout. I do drink water and black coffee on my fast. I was telling Aaron earlier I put on a few pounds. Um, so I hit that point. When I get to this number, I'm like, I got to pull back. So I hit that number. I'm putting on pounds, too. I just uh, I just don't have the discipline that you do. Uh, let's see. If I could just cut out snacking at night, I think I'd be okay. I'm at, I just hit 18-hour fast. 18-hour. And look at how coherent you are. If I was on an 18-hour yeah. fast, Joe, I would be like but they say, But they down. say that's good, though, because what happens is when you eat all that food and the carbs and, and everything, all that blood flows to your stomach, and you don't get that energy for your brain. So with fasting, you release ketones which is a better energy source. So you actually don't get those daytime crashes when you fast. So it's if I throw like math and, math and spelling questions at you, will you be able to answer them? Better than ever. I'm sharp now. Really? I'm sharp. I'm telling okay. you. You'll, you'll notice the difference. When you fast, you can see it because when you eat, you get so lethargic after. You sit there, you get tired because all that blood you need for energy is all shunted to your stomach. Right, so you what's eight, it for digestion. So what's 18 times 4? 18 times 4? Oh, I'm a good. So <laughs> I got to think of this. 60 minus 6. So 60 minus 6 is 54. Uh, it's 18 times 4. No, it's a 72. 18? 24 is 60. No, you said 18 times 3. No, I said 18 times 4. Oh, times 4. Okay, then you're confused. <laughs> I thought you said 3. So you well, you would have been right if it was times 3. Yeah, I thought my, my mind you said times All 3. All right, let's, let's go some more some more simple mathematics here. Uh, I'm not good at math. Now the pressure. Now okay, I'm freaking out. You want some spelling questions? I don't know. What do, I'm what, terrible at spelling, Okay, what do, you, what do you want? Do you want some fighter uh, trivia? Some fighter trivia, trivia, I'm a little bit better. Okay. Uh, who is the last person to beat Tony Ferguson? The last person <laughs> to beat Tony Ferguson. Uh, I don't think he's a, has he who's he he's lost once in the UFC I think okay do you know the answer yeah. uh, nope Michael say. Johnson really yeah okay he's oh, yeah. almost like a, a newer <laughs> though I need like an older I need like a that little was bit a older. older. But thought that, that no, was like but a, like, that but, was like nine years ago. Or but something. he wasn't a big name at that time. Okay, fair, right? Fair. It's like asking us, you know, right, who me, did a, you know? Give me a division. Wallery Alves fight. It was like at that time he was a nobody. I have to remember the big. He names. fought James Krause in his last. No, not in his last yeah. fight. His last fight, I, I had interviewed him afterwards. He beat uh, 
Tiago Moises. In I have fight. a friend that, uh, not, not any, it's weird, but I can say, okay, UFC Ariel, 58. Ariel's like that. And then they know who the, the main event was. Ariel does, he knows the main event and where the place. I don't know. I, I, I don't have enough space in my head to be able to. See, the thing is, that. I could do it with kickboxing because it's my, my sport. It's what I commented on. So if I said on, who, who headlined Glory 28 and where was it? I could do, I could tell you the city, but I can't tell you who headlined the card. Okay, go ahead. The Glory 28, 28 was Paris. Yeah, it was in Paris. Yeah, I can do the. I, I'm pretty good with the city of where it was. So you don't know who headlined that one? Uh, Paris. Uh, no, I couldn't tell you. Rico Verhoeven versus Milan uh, Brestovac. Brestovac. Yeah, Brestovac. if you gave me the hint, I can tell you kind of. Okay. Who. How about How about Glory Twenty Seven? Uh, Chicago. And and who's going to Chicago um, next week for back to back events? Boom, me. Who's headlining those ones? Um, I'm, I'm I'm diverting so, from the trivia I know, because I, I, I feel good. like you're getting uncomfortable. But with even this. no, I'm good with the glory <laughs> ones. You can get all day. I'm good with the glory. So who's, who's headlining these glory? These glory. So cars. we have two shows one weekend. Glory seventy one. <laughs> Our main event is Tiffany Van Seuss taking on Anissa Mexin trilogy oh, that, fight. Oh, the trilogy three. fight for the title. Okay, it's not Anissa Mexin will say it's not a trilogy. Because she's won the two before, so she's like, it's not really a real trilogy fight because she's won the two before. Yeah, I guess mind, I guess that's you know? fair. That's, that's, that's what fair. that's her point. It I, is, like, I mean, okay. it is technically a trilogy. So it's, it's, trilogy is basically three of three of the same series, but yes, whatever. So, but, I, so I, that's I her point give, she's making. That. She's like, it's not a true, you know, trilogy. But I said, okay, I understand, I respect that. So uh, number three for them. And then uh, the second night, you have Petch Panamaroon, Kiat Mukau taking oh, on Petch Kevin is, Van Ostrand. Oh, I'll be watching that. Yeah, Petch is your guy. And this is a rematch with uh, Kevin Van Ostrand. Uh, Glory American 72, guy. is that one? Yeah. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch that. Who else is on that card? I want to um, watch that. Petch versus Van Ostrand. Yep. Oh, is, is Sir Hey Adamchuk? Is yeah, is taking on. Uh, remember the the young Mexican kid? Oh, I yeah, told you? Vidalis. I yeah. watched him. I I'm kind of disappointed in this fight because I think they're moving Abraham Vidalis up a little too fast. Yeah, I think it's That's Adam fair. Chuck's former title contender, very tricky fighter, a southpaw. You know, just very hard to beat. He's never been really knocked down or dropped. So I think it's a l- tough task for Vidalis, but the kid's talented, and hopefully, you know, at least he puts on a great performance. You got Junior Tafa on the card in the Super Fight Series. You got Chris Camozzi on the card. Yeah, Camozzi's fighting Riot Waller. Yeah. Any anyone else on that card that you know. should kind of watch for? Uh, no, you got the main yeah, ones. Okay, and, we'll, and the seventy. Uh, the, the other one, one card. The other one that is a good watch out uh, to watch out for. I don't know if it's the other card because I could be mixing up. Benjamin Attic. Yeah, that's the co-main. Yeah, that's a nice one to watch uh, versus D'Angelo Marshall. That's fun. Marshall's good. I like him. Marshall's pretty good, but Attic Boys trains with Rico Verhoeven. Just a. Uh, a technical heavyweight that's really good. So Benny's the guy to look out for. Outside okay. of Rico, he's probably one of the more dominant heavyweights we've had in kickboxing. All right. What else we got? Any, any, anything else I should keep an eye on in, in those, uh, uh, those cards? No, that's pretty good. Those, the main ones are the, the big ones. But there's a lot of uh, up-and-coming American fighters. Um, yeah, I'm noticing that. I'm noticing a lot of people that I don't recognize. That, yeah. Yeah. It's our Europe shows have all the talent. So we've still got to build our, our American talent here. But uh, the main cards on both shows are pretty stacked. Can you tell the people that run the website that I don't like that when you click on the, the, the fights, it doesn't give you their first name. It just gives their last names on when you when it on the side. It gives you the really? tail of the tape, but it just has their last names. Okay. Make well, a call for them. me. I will. Yeah. I know the guy too. But I think my friend who runs the website just resigned. Ah oh, well. So whoever's coming in next, I know good advice for my boy. Comes in next. Sorry Nadim. Yeah. All right. All righty. Well latest uh, video on YouTube, punching and moving at the same time. Yep. Big, so, big time. People punch, and they miss the target. So I'm going to give you different strategies to be able to punch, close your distance so you can actually hit them. A lot of people, especially with the rear hand, you see people throw their rear straight and miss the target by two inches every time. 
got to adjust that distance. How are you going to close that two inches down so you can land it now? So I'll give you little tips on how to do that with footwork. And uh, finally, Ooh. Bazooka Kickboxing 680 Progress Road. If, yep. you, uh, want to, if you want to join the likes of Maynard James Keenan yes. and, uh, and learn, learn. How, learn how to kickbox. Yeah, he did well. You'll be surprised. Don't be a good. tool and come and to Bazooka, kick, yeah. Bazooka Kickboxing. You should put a picture of Maynard James say, Keenan don't on be there the tool. And, and say, don't be a tool. Or be a tool. I, I, he's a member of tool. Yeah. Uh, I like it regardless. I like it. I like See, where you're, you're thinking. The one, you're the one who's like fasting. I'm thinking. the one who, whose brain isn't working See? properly. We're going to fast next week. Yeah, I don't know about that. I get angry yeah. when I fast. I don't, when, is there like a, a part where you kind of apex, where like you're at a part where you're really hungry, and then at a certain point, it just kind of like... Yeah, like when I'm really hungry, I drink water or I have coffee. Okay. And that, but if you think about it, if you what time do you get home usually? I get home at uh, from work at around 6... 30? And you'll have one meal probably when you're home? I'll have dinner, yeah. And then after that, I snack, though. It's but that's bad. the thing. you got to cut pretzels. out those snacks. Yeah. If you can cut out those snacks, or but you're, you're allowed. If you fasted, yeah. and then you have... No, but I'd want you to eat lunch. So uh, basically, I would say skip I've read breakfast. About, I've read about the intermittent fasting. Where that like would you, be you start at like You start at like 8 at night, and you don't eat till like 11 or 12 the next day. It's easy. Like you're sleeping yeah. for 8 of it. Yeah, that's And then you just skip your I'm breakfast, so have a nice... Morning, though. Black coffee and water. Just have a coffee. Have a nice coffee. Have some water. I feel then like you coffee just... messes with me though. If I don't have like anything in my system, really, is it psychological? It could be psychological. Who knows? I mean, worth trying. All right. Well, we'll see. Try maybe, one day. Maybe one day. It's all. It's only one day. You skip breakfast. That's all you're doing. One day you skip breakfast. See how it goes. It's just one day a week. Start with one day a week. Okay. Got to start somewhere. And this isn't like pseudoscience. This isn't like uh no. That's what they're saying. I've read multiple I'm, textbooks on Actually, there are people on, on my street that are that are doing it that look great. They've lost a lot of weight. If, if, all it comes down to is limiting your calories. If you're good enough to sit there and eat three meals a day and have healthy so, hold meals, on. so what happens if I just eat celery like as a snack? Celery probably has zero calories. Calories right? in versus calorie out. But how many calories are in celery? Probably none. They think I think they call it negative. It takes more calories to chew celery than it That's is. That's good to actually... then. I should just sit and eat celery all day. I could survive sure. on that. Yeah, but it's not healthy. Why? It's healthy. Do you want to lose weight or do you want to be healthy? We gotta know the option. Yeah, but if I had like just coffee and water and celery. Yeah, but you're still breaking your fast based on I guess the nutrients in the celery, I guess. But what's wrong with nutrients? It would still be I'm not breaking taking in any fat. calories. But you're supposed to have nothing. You're supposed to not supposed but to the, break the well, fast. What's supposed to doesn't make sense to me. I, I wanna I know, know what the difference is if I eat celery. If I eat something that has no no calories. I don't know. It's a good question. You could have water, black coffee. I try to stay away from carbonated things. I don't love carbonated things while I'm fasting. Mm-hmm. But I'm okay. good with coffee, water, and I work out. I've worked out for two hours today. I fasted, so you do have the energy stored. If people think oh, I'm tired, it was like it's. It takes a while to get used to because your body it works in in habits and routine. So now you're breaking that routine. It could be tough for people, but. You can do it. It's mental strength. You can do it. You can do it. All right. Well, thanks, Joe. Appreciate this. And uh, I'll see you in two weeks, probably. Uh, yeah, gone. And am, I, am I gone in two weeks? No, I think, I think that's going to be uh, where we, yeah. We'll actually have two straight weeks afterwards. Yeah, when, when's, is, this the last, is this the last glory of the year? Or what else you got? Oh, <laughs> you, you want to hear it? <laughs> I, I go to Chicago. Okay. I go to Chicago, come back. I'm home for four days. I go to Niagara Falls because BTC fights are happening. Oh, they're uh, doing it. They're doing a BTC in Niagara in Falls. Niagara eh? Falls, yeah. Oh, so that. my guy's fighting on it. Oh, Matt Special, yeah. I saw he's that he was fighting on, the on it. Then I come home from that Sunday. I leave for China Monday. Okay. I go to China for a week. I come home for a week. I go to Amsterdam, and then that's our main show. But now he, we have to talk about it. 
But uh, I might be missing Christmas this year with my family and going straight from Amsterdam to Saudi Arabia. Oh, oh uh, for Brave, Brave. With, uh, with, Tariq. with Tariq. It's a tough one. I'm still basically 50-50. I don't know. I'm talking out loud. If Tariq, you're listening, I don't know still. But uh, I have to give him a decision very soon. It's a very tough decision. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, tough. Because I won't be home for two weeks. It literally I be... missed Halloween with my family, and that was a real was bummer. Tough. But yeah. it's like China, home for a week, Amsterdam, straight to Saudi Arabia. That's like not home. In that month, I'm only home a week. I'd be China, home a week, Amsterdam, straight to Saudi Arabia. It's a little too much. You've got to do like a year-end special that one week you're here. Jeez. Let's figure it out. got to do something. Are you, are you here the week that I'm gone in December? Which the week? The week that I'm gone would be uh, for the uh, last UFC pay-per-view of the year, so the week of the 9th. Um, China's the December 7th, I think, is China. What about the week after? Uh, I'm home for a week, then go to Amsterdam. See, that's the week I'm home. That's the week I've got to go. The 9th to... Yeah, so we're going to miss each that's other. That's the week I'm Might home, like and no then December. I go to Amsterdam the next time. Maybe we'll do the Monday. We'll figure yeah. it out. Yeah, we get it going. Yeah. All right, thanks, Joe. All right, guys. Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA Show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca slash UFC.